0: Welcome to episode number 36 of Off the Shelf. They go walking in the church
1: every Sunday morning. They the self-appointed sin control. Where well, they whisper and they gossip behind the back of anybody that they can't control. See that girl in the choir. She's got an evil desire. She must be drinking from the Whale. She's a downright disgrace with that pain
0: face. She looks just like a jail Hi, my name is Rod Bergen, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Off-the-Shelf Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to ask questions and to help you, our listener, find the answers to those questions we want to help you know what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. Off the Shelf is primarily directed at followers of the message of William Branham and former followers like ourselves. Off the Shelf is now being heard in over a hundred countries, and we are glad you could join us. In this week's podcast, we are continuing with part two of our interview with John Collins, the author of the Seek the Truth website. Let's talk about people leaving the message. When people leave the message, many in the message churches that they've left see these people as bitter or angry towards them. Do you think this is the case?
2: I don't believe it's the case, and I don't believe it it fits every case. I believe that there probably is some bitterness or angry. Um, feelings towards those that have been hurt uh, those who have hurt them but in general the people that I have worked with are not bitter or angry at the people and they see the people as victims the problem that I see is that when somebody leaves the message they don't fully understand what has happened to them they don't understand the fact that they've been manipulated they don't they're not aware that william Branham was had a strategy behind what he was doing, uh, or if he didn't have a strategy, he there were others who had the strategy that he was following. So since they don't understand what happened to them, they're angry at the situation. And what happens is when you're focused on the message as the root of all of your pain, then when you see somebody who reminds you of that pain, all of that flood of emotions surfaces. So if I'm in a stage where I'm so angry at the message for what it did to me, and I meet somebody on the street who's in the message and they start talking, they're gonna trigger that emotion. And unfortunately, they'll mistake that for a cult escapee thinking that they're angry at them. When, in fact, they're they're angry that that the cult has has done this, this thing to them.
0: I have experienced some of that. We went to a funeral for a wonderful uh, man uh, that had been at the same church we were at, Message Church. We went to his funeral, uh, he was a wonderful uh, man, and I had nothing but respect for him. So we went to his funeral and I talked to his widow and said some honestly, very nice things about him, which I which I believed wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But I heard through the grapevine, someone walked up to me. So I was talking to a group of people and they said, you know, what's Rod doing here? He hates us. And I go, why would they think that I hate them? I don't hate them. I have no negative feelings towards them at all. But you know, what did happen at one point in time, someone walked up to me and said, you know, Rod, I'm so thankful for this message, and it's the most wonderful thing. It becomes better and better to me. And I just said, stop. I no longer believe William Branham was a prophet. You can talk to somebody else about it, but if you want to talk to me about it, I'm going to tell you that William Branham lied. He had failed visions. And by the judgment of the Bible, Deuteronomy 18, 20 to 22, he would have been stoned in the Old Testament. And certainly the best thing I can do is just ignore him. So don't go there with me. Right. Of course. And then that story goes around saying, well, Rod came there and he's talking to everybody against the message. Uh, that's the only person I talk to. And that's because, you know, they come into my face and they want to tell me how wonderful the message is, which honestly, I think is a pile of, well, I I, I won't go there. But anyways.
2: <laughs> well, there's there's another problem that's, coming into play here in a destructive cult you you have a central figure who is manipulating you into his belief system and he's manipulating you into his opinions and the further that you're manipulated the more you take on his identity and this process basically it it creates a new identity inside of you that is suppressing your authentic self. And you, you basically become a miniature William Branham if you're in the cult following of William Branham. You are, are trying to filter your views through his filter. You're trying to filter the scriptures through his view of the scriptures. And you've probably came across it, but a large majority of the people even try to filter what they like and dislike based off of what William Branham liked or disliked. Yeah, it's very true. So yeah, so whenever you're you're speaking against William Branham because they've taken on this identity, they mistake that for you actually focusing on them, but when in, in fact you're focusing about focusing towards William Branham. Yeah. John, the first time
0: that we talked was just after you started your website SeekyTheTruth.com, which I think was back in early 2012. Somebody said, Rod, have you seen this new website? We'd been doing research by then probably about three years. And uh, we're basically, I, I mean, I was out in my head. We were still going to a message church. But I remember finding out your address or your telephone number and calling you. And that started a conversation uh, what led you to start the website
2: back in 2012? Well, it's a funny story. I never intended to do what you see now. Um, in fact, <laughs> past few years, I've I've came to the conclusion that it's so opposite of my personality that it's it's actually very difficult for me um, to even continue down that path. When I first started the website, it It was not intended to even be a website. I came out of the message after a series of very traumatic events, life-changing events, from a nephew who was dying of cancer to a financial crisis. So many things that had had just shaken me so hard that I started doing some soul-searching and trying to make sense of this life that that had... uh, that I, I had fallen into, and I started to realize that there were issues with what I believed. I still believe that William Branham was a prophet. I knew, very honestly, I knew that at least one of the prophecies did not happen as he claimed it did. Yeah. I could see points in the Bible where he was actually speaking against what the Bible was saying. So I had just a few questions in my head, but I was suffering severe post-traumatic stress disorder. And to the extent that there was a period of time where I I spent most of the time in the bed with severe depression. And during this time, my memory was not what it should be. I could I could bring things to memory whenever I needed to, but... In the face of opposition, it was very difficult for me to remember things. But I had seen enough and heard enough that I wanted to talk to my grandfather about some of the problems that I saw with the message. And I was an IT professional. I had a a set of several servers that I was managing, easy access to domains, websites. So I thought, well, I've got a phone, and I can pull these questions up on the phone, So I'll just throw them up on a web page. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. And I'm going to go talk to my grandpa. And before I even got the chance to talk to him, before even SeekTheTruth.com became a website, apparently headquarters in Jeffersonville somehow found this website. And I got a call from an uncle who is a song leader in a church uh, down south and he just railed me for it he he heard from somebody in jeffersonville that i had started an anti-branham website and i said what are you talking about and i said i finally you know i remembered i've got this page up and I, oh he's talking about what i did for my memory and then i got another call and then i got another call and before i could talk to my grandfather i had people calling me from or writing me through email from one coast to the other and they were all just attacking me and i thought what is this uh, this is a side of these people i've never seen before yeah, yeah exactly you know? exactly I, I had an one of my family members started a rumor that i was homosexual and <laughs> those who know me laugh because i'm the complete opposite if there is an opposite in the dictionary it says john collins
0: <laughs> yeah
2: um At that time, I was, like the rest of the message, I was severely homophobic. And my views on homosexuality was much like the message that this is an unpardonable sin. Once you do it, you are beyond salvation. (laughs) And so I thought, why is this family member doing this to me? He knows I'm not like this. And things like that kept happening. And I realized that something's really bad wrong here. When I finally got to talk to my grandfather, by that point, all of it had got back to him, and it wasn't the healthy conversation that I had intended. He also was dead set against me. He um, he basically wanted to take, he, he called it taking my family out from under the blood. He said that basically we were outcasts, and that he was going to lift the blood of Jesus Christ <laughs> off of us. Yeah, yeah. As if he had this power. What was interesting is my wife had not said a thing at all. And he cursed her in the same breath he cursed me. And for all he knew, you know, she could have been still a message believer.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, so they I, tend to lump lump people together. I know
2: that certainly happened to us as well. Yeah. So after I saw all of this happen, I thought, you know, there's something wrong here. And I'll be honest with you. I went out on a whim. I still, at the point I started my website, I believed he was a prophet. I really did. Yeah. I knew that he had a failed prophecy, and I knew that he had a few of them. So I just started, and this all happened within about a week. I just started taking all the prophecies. I wrote them down into a a Word document, and then I started searching and trying to compare over time, what these prophecies looked like, and I think it was just a week later after my conversation with my grandfather, I published the first book and I I examined the prophecies and I showed how they were nothing even close to what they started out as. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, John. I think you are somewhat. Um... There's an interesting book, if you haven't read it, it's called Sacred Pathways. It's by Gary Thomas. I had a chance to meet Gary last year. Gary's uh, an author of a number of books, but one of uh, his sacred pathways that he described, and sacred pathways are ways we connect with God. So there are things like people may be contemplative, so they like silence. People may be worshipers. I love worshiping God in music, and that's how they connect with God people sometimes have multiple pathways there is one group and I was sitting someone was leading a session looking at trying to uh, you fill out a little questionnaire and it tells you what your pathways are and he he said anybody here an activist and I'm the only guy in a room of 30 people who put my hand up and because yeah. this is what this questionnaire when I when I filled in all the and fill out the numbers and calculated my score I'm an activist it's number one yeah and the, the guy looks at me and he says, Okay, Rod. Uh, he kind of laughs. He says, uh, We don't have many people like you in our organization. <laughs> You're a troublemaker. And I kind of laughed, but I, I had this kind of a moment because activism can take many forms. This is, you know, somebody's written this, such as writing books working for social reform and actively confronting evil. That's what you're doing in your website. That's what you're doing when you're writing your books. Right. Activists serve a God of justice. Uh, you know, I relate to Jesus going through the temple and cleansing it. And, and it's not that I want to actually confront people. I don't take any joy in confrontation. I don't take any joy in, in confronting people in any kind of one-on-one fight. And, and I can't say I enjoy fighting, but what I don't like is when I see people who've been told a lie, I can't stand back and ignore the lie that's being told. And certainly that is what is happening to this day in the message, the research you did, the research we did, the research that other people have done, like searching for vindication, the reason this information is there is because we found out people hadn't told us the truth. We found out we'd been told <laughs> lies. We trusted people. We found out it was a pile of nonsense. And so yeah. I wanted to let everybody know what I found out. And, and a lot yeah. of people in the message don't appreciate that fact. Right. But it is what it is. And I am very thankful through what the work that you've done, through the work that we've done and others have done, that people have come out of the message as a result of finding
2: out what the truth actually is right you know it's funny I recently I want to say six months ago <clears throat> I actually sat down with a personality coach and we went through the long hundred page study of my personality um, for one of the one of my clients required it as part of their um, acceptance forms, so I went through this long process, and I was a little shocked because I am not an activist. I am actually the opposite personality. Um, I was floored when she started talking to me because she said that everything that I'm doing in this website goes against my personality. I am analytical, so the research side does come into play. Yeah, yeah, likewise. I, I'm not the guy who's gonna be out front speaking. I'm gonna be the guy who is supplying the person out front with the information. But like you said, the lying has a plays a big factor. Whenever my when I did have a chance to have the conversation with my grandfather, his statement to me was, John, people have known these things for years. What does it hurt you to believe it anyway? Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, Grandpa, if it's not true, there's a lot it hurts me not to believe. Well, it. and that's that's when
0: I when I when I talked to George Smith and said, George, I've done all this research. I can't find any proof that anyone died on the Municipal Bridge. The sixteen people that were supposed to have died, I can't find any proof that anybody died. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, George, you're my last hope. I mean. Like, did anybody die? And he goes, "No, nobody died." Like, what? Nobody died. Like, how can you? So, how do you explain that? We well, said I yeah. can't explain it, but I still believe. And I'm going like, in my head, I'm going, because I didn't want to offend him, because mm-hmm. he was a friend of mine, and I don't think he would consider himself to be a friend anymore. Although I, I, I haven't, my feelings haven't changed towards him or anyone else in the message. I would love to sit down and talk to any of them, but in the yeah. end, it's like. You knew this and you didn't tell anybody? (laughs) Like, what? And so for me, it's not so much a personality issue. It's more my sense of justice. It's more the fact that like these people did it. And I honestly, I don't really want to spend the time doing this, but I can't, I actually don't think I can live with myself if I don't let this stuff be known.
2: Well, that's, that's part of the problem. And to be blunt, that's one of the warnings I got from the personality coach. See, I was raised, my dad, his favorite saying was this. And he said it often. He said, John, there are two types of people I hate most in this world. And that's a thief and that's a liar. And I was bred to hate a thief and a liar, (laughs) which in the grand scheme of things, it's very ironic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But This personality coach told me that she said, John, what you're doing, you know, even though it doesn't match my personality, she said, the one thing that is within my personality that makes it fit is that when I see people that need help, I will help them. That's it. According to my personality chart. That's it. But she said it's deeper than that. She said, she warned me, John, you will go so far that you will actually kill yourself to help somebody if given the chance. And I, I look at what we see, these people in the message and the children that have no idea what their life could be if they were out of it. And it's very hard for me to stop. I, you know, you know, you are one of the few who know, but I've actually tried to stop this yeah, probably seven times now. Yeah.
0: I would love to stop this personally. Uh, I just don't have the time for it, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting on an airplane and. Uh, you know, the thought occurs to me. So what else could I do to help these people? And I thought, well, you know, I should start a podcast because I think it would really help to hear, for people to hear really what my heart is. And, and not me, but to hear the stories that other people have. The stories that people who've been in the message and come out. Some of these wonderful stories that they have, some of them are very heartbreaking. Stories like Sylvia Perkins, we just... We just finished a podcast with her. I mean, amazing experiences that she's had. And she's now out of the message. And I rejoice in that. Be- and she's rejoicing because she finally feels free of the fear that people live with under the message. Right. So, John, recently your blog seems to be taking a bit of a new direction. What's the reason for the change?
2: Well, it's, you know, like I just said, this this is not within my personality, If you look at the last, what has it been now, five years of my time out of the message, it has been so focused on William Branham and so focused on uncovering every single aspect of the controversial issues, the outright lies, the uh, criminal activities, all of these things, I I have basically focused on the negative for so long. And honestly, the conversation with the personality coach played a factor, but I decided that, you know, this, this isn't me, this, there's enough information out there that if somebody wants to get out of the cult, they have easy access to it. And when I started the website, when it finally became in website form, it wasn't so much to Drag people out of the message. It was more for those people who had been out of the message for years. But we're in this weird state of limbo where they still kind of believe William Branham, yeah. but they didn't want to live like that. They've seen what real life is like, and so they're in the state of limbo where they think they're doomed to hell. One of the first people that contacted me, uh, or two people actually. Said practically the same thing. Both of them had became atheists. They said that when they left the message, they realized that it wasn't there's something that wasn't right. They didn't know what it was. They still believe William Branham was a prophet. They thought maybe the churches are a little astray, but they thought they were going to hell, and so they just became atheists. Why would I even try? And one of them came across the questions that I had, and. We went out to eat for lunch one day. He started talking to me, and I started explaining some of the things I found. And he said, you know, I've thought about those things many years, but (laughs) I kept putting it on the shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is what uh, we were told to do. Exactly, what we're told to do. And and he said, now that I'm, you know, with my research, I try not to just make a statement that's without opinion, without fact. I let the facts speak for themselves because anything that I say isn't going to weigh nearly as heavy as the fact. And he said, the facts that you're presenting make such a solid case that he said, he basically told me he was going to go home and he was going to start rethinking his life. And he's now a big part of the worship service in one of the local churches here. Another lady, she, her family, was in this weird sect of the message that were still they they were part of the message but they were strangely part of Jim Jones' cult and
0: they they sur- family, sur- they survived Guyana
2: well according to and, and you know there's no way that I can confirm or deny this this the reason I haven't put it on the website is because there's this is word of mouth and it's coming I've I've actually got it from a couple of different areas so I I do believe that it is true, but without the facts I don't put it on my website. But she was a follower of William Branham, the The little group that she was in, and I think it was Missouri, was a follower of William Branham during his Lateran days. And she said that the only reason that her family was not in Guyana when it happened is because that um, her father had a series of businesses and they were very wealthy they, he basically had too much to lose to go to Guyana, and so they stayed, fortunately saved their lives. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, things like that made me start thinking about the people who had left, but needed information. And that's really why I started the site. Now that the information is out there, my, I decided my site needs to take a different direction. I, I still do not feel that my website is the right site for somebody who is in the message. I think that, you know, Believe the Sign has great information, searching for vindication.com. Some of these other websites have the information presented in such a way that somebody in the message can easily see it, understand it, and find freedom. I still want to focus on the people who have not been in the message or have recently left. And I decided that instead of focusing on the negative, now it's time to start uplifting and focus on the positive.
0: Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, some of the stuff we're going to be doing in future podcasts, will talk about, so I'm out, now what? Mm -hmm. And because people have lots of questions because they come out of the message with a very tainted, I don't know if that's the word, tainted or bent mindset because they've been under wrong teaching for so long. They tend to look at other churches in the wrong way and they're using a wrong filter. They're using quite often a message filter that they're still filtering a lot of things through.
2: It's a huge problem <clears throat> and not, you know, not even for just the, the people who are leaving and not becoming activists, but even some of the activists When we first started the website, I actually had a forum that was on the site. And we had a couple people who were – they came into the forum and they were trying to say that everybody who got saved in the message does not have salvation. That they accepted this different Jesus and therefore they're not saved. I strongly disagreed with this.
0: I agree, yeah. Um,
2: They – you know, it it looks like what has happened is – they left the message, but they didn't leave the twisted doctrine, the, the cult foundation that created the message. A good part of that is still buried inside of them. And it becomes, instead of an us versus them mentality while they were in the message, now they have came out, and it's an us versus them mentality for what they believe versus other Christians.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, I mean, this is something that Paul warned against in first corinthians you know i i quoted the passage where he said you know love builds up knowledge puffs up and he actually goes on to say if if anybody thinks they know something then they don't really know anything but if a person loves then they really know so from my perspective true spiritual knowledge is based on love it's not based on hitting people over with the stick of what you know but quite often and this isn't just people in the message Uh, There are people who are fundamentalist Christians who think, you know, they're doctrine police, and it's all about beating people over the head with what they know as opposed to showing love to everyone.
2: Exactly. And, you know, it's one of the problems that I, I get people contacting me talking about some of the others who are trying to help them out of the message, and one person's exact words still fit the situation. He says, if the way these people are treating me is Christianity, I'd rather stay in the message. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, yeah, you know so i I basically i I take a a very different stance than most people who are working with um, ex-cult members. I learned very quickly that if you proselytize, you're not doing anything but hindering the timeline for somebody to heal because as the old saying goes a person persuaded against their will is of the same opinion still I can force somebody into what I believe and they can believe it for the next 10-15 years but it doesn't mean that that's where they're going to end up yeah yeah so when somebody leaves the cult and they ask me for help I try to point them to the information that lets them form their own opinion and their own direction, and I try to supply it, and you know, not everybody ends up in the same place.
0: Well, and and I'm sure, John, you've been accused of this as I have, as having a bunch of followers, and I'm trying to recruit followers. And again, this is because of the twisted message mindset. And I tell them, look, I don't have followers. I don't have a church that I point people to and say, you need to come to my church. Um, what I do say is you need to go out and find a church for yourself. And, And we have actually a page on our website where we're going to talk about this in a future podcast. So if you were looking for a church, what do you look for in a church? And I don't go around saying, oh, X denomination is the denomination you should go to. I think that you need to find a church that has certain characteristics that are characteristics of a good Christian church. And they... You can find those types of churches in all denominations, but not every church in every denomination will be like that. In fact, you know, when we, my wife and I spent the better part of a year looking for a church and we didn't, we kept coming back to a church where we really kind of appreciated and eventually went there for a period of about four years. I have nothing but good things to say about that church. But there are other churches in the same denomination we went to that, that weren't even close to where it was. And we're going to a different church now, one that's a little closer to our home. But again, is one that exhibits what I think are all the good things about being a follower of Jesus. And that's the important thing. Not whether you know they believe, I can tick off certain boxes about what they believe. In the end, it's about the people in that church. It's the leadership of that church and what's they're focused on. Are they focused on showing love to people who walk in the door and the community around them? I'm, I'm in if they if they're doing that. Uh, certainly, I care uh, about generally what they believe, but my space of kind of acceptable, acceptable doctrinal um, uh, space, uh, you know, there's something that people some people refer to as confessional orthodoxy. It's what the church has always believed. And there are things the church has always believed. And those are the things I focus on. They're the important things in the New Testament.
2: Mm-hmm. The first time that happened to me, I I almost shut the website off. <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest with you. It, it was heartbreaking because, yeah. I, and again, I wish I knew then what I knew now. I didn't understand the cult mindset, but these people, they think that you have to follow something. They yes. think that, there is no individuality. So if you're not following William Branham, you must be following Rod Bergen. <laughs> you <know>? Not, not. <laughs> yeah. So the first time it happened to me, I, I really came close to shutting the website down. And I decided that instead of shutting it down because there were so many people that needed help, I handed it over to Christy Gibson. And the, the strategy was, was amazing because here she is. She's a woman. And in the, the message cult, the women are severely oppressed. They, they are not allowed to speak in the position that she is speaking. So somebody called her a preacher. Well, what was happening is I have basically have transitioned it. Here's the face of Seek the Truth. But now I can be behind the scenes. I'm no longer the face. They're no longer saying they're following John Collins, but they've got this huge conundrum. Because are they following are they following Christy Gibson? <laughs> and so I was able to answer the comments while she was doing, you know, becoming the face for Seek the Truth. Yeah. And they started calling her preacher. And so I would respond, Well, she's not preaching. All she's doing is saying, Well, here's a scripture and here's what it says. She's just reading. And so, you know, that, that didn't stick. They couldn't fight that. And I, I went on to say, Isn't it strange that this person who's a female who's not a preacher actually knows more about this passage than the pastor that you're going that in the yeah. church. You're going to,
0: that's not uncommon. That's not <laughs> it uncommon.
2: Was, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. We are going to end the podcast there for this week. As we try to keep our episodes under 30 minutes, we invite you to join us next week for part three of our interview with John Collins. If you have a question or comment, please feel free to go to our website at offtheshelf.life. There is a comment section at the bottom of every episode's website. Or you're welcome to send me an email at rod at offtheshelf.life. Have a great week, and thanks for listening. You see that boy over there with
1: that long shaggy hair Ought to be ashamed of him say He wearing hip-hop clothes, got a ring in his nose don't even know we're going straight to hell? And in a yesterday morning, me and his sister Johnson were talking on the party line. She said that Deacon Brown was having dinner downtown. Somebody seen him with a glass of wine. And you act so righteous and you look so pious. You always pay your time. But there's a rock in your heart And a fire on your tongue And there ain't no love in your eyes Bad news is beguiling and the devil is